Hey everyone, it's Craig Ballantyne from TurbulenceTraining.com and TTFatLoss.com welcoming you to another 7-day fat-burning coaching call. We're going to help you with your nutrition, motivation, and your workouts. Now, I just got back from a wedding in Mexico. I had a great time. I did one workout, and I ate pretty well most of the time, although I did have a celebration eating day on the wedding. ate quite a few calories, probably ate about 5,000 calories, but it was just the one day and got back on track and you know, didn't eat any junky airport food. So that was my experience there, and now I'm off to L.A. this weekend. I'm actually attending a Richard Branson charity event on Thursday evening. That should be a lot of fun. And then on Saturday, the work is getting done as a bunch of fitness experts and myself are all visiting the house of Bill Phillips, the owner, former owner of EAS and Muscle Media, the original, well, not the original, but the originator of the modern-day transformation contest. And you probably know his Body for Life books. So it'll be a bunch of us. It'll be me and Joe Marion, Vince Delmani, Isabel De Los Rios, John Romanello, Mike Geary, a few others all at Bill Phillips' house, hanging out and talking about how to help the world transform. He's got a pretty cool website called transformation.com, and it's a community of transformations, obviously. And then we have transformationcontest.com here in the turbulence training world, and we'll all be sharing ideas and brainstorming and spending a good hard day working on how we can help you more. So I will make sure that I bring back some awesome transformation secrets probably in terms of motivation and and sticking to it, and we'll be sharing that with you next week. All right, now let's get into this week's Turbulence Training Workout Tips and Nutrition Advice to help you lose fat over the next seven days. We're going to start with our Transformation Tip of the Week for Monday, November the 14th. And the quote is from Buddha, who said, "In In the confrontation between the stream and the rock, the stream always wins. Not through strength, but through perseverance. Persistence. Sorry, I really messed that one up. Not through strength, but through persistence. And so, you know, that's just another one of the quotes that we can simply add the three words, never give up, to the end of that one. Just because that is our philosophy. Never, ever, ever give up. Always keep on doing the best that you can. And that kind of leads into our next little quote here that we get from Dave Kekich. This is his Kekich Credo number 84 And he said, nobody gets old by surprise. And I like that one because it always reminds us to keep taking action. And we have to understand that we can dramatically change ourselves in just 12 weeks. Because if you take a look at the average lifespan, 12 weeks is only 0.3% of your life. And you can actually get results in even less time than that. And that's proven by our latest six-week transformation that we have the entries up on transformationcontest.com. Our female winner lost 19 pounds in six weeks, and our male winner lost 20 pounds in six weeks. Dramatic changes. We had some amazing results. Really proud of everyone, and I highly recommend you visit transformationcontest.com. Check that out. We're going to have 12-week winners in just a little while longer, and then we're going to have another contest, contest number 11, starting in January of 2011. All right, so for our workout tips this week, I want to talk to you about upper back exercises. So we're going to go over basically the most important exercises for building muscle in your upper back. And that's a very important place to build muscle. I mean, there's a lot of musculature there, so when you work it, it does burn more calories. Um, But really, we're talking about building muscle today. And the best exercises in order of importance are the deadlift, which if done properly with correct form, 
will help you build a lot of upper back muscle because you're holding on to a lot of weight. Uh, barbell rows, another exercise. The deadlift is more of a static movement for your upper back, but you will have movement as you lower and lift the weight. But the barbell row is more of a classic uh, lowering and lifting contraction. Dumbbell row is another excellent exercise, and if you don't have a barbell to do the barbell row, do the dumbbell row. Seated rows are great, but I, I would still use the free weights if possible. Uh, you can use all types of grips with the seated row. You can use a narrow grip. You can use an overhand wide grip. You can use an underhand grip. Uh, pull-ups and chin-ups are exceptional exercises for your back, but pull-ups are the ones that really will hit your upper back a little bit more. Um, not, not so much that you're going to be sore in the upper back, but it certainly, when you do the top of the motion, you bring your shoulder blades down together, and that will be working the muscles in your upper back. And then finally, the bodyweight rows. So when you're lying underneath the bar and rowing your body up to the bar, that one works the upper back a little bit more traditionally like all of those rows. So those are really powerful exercises for your upper back. If you don't have any of those in your workout, you really need to. You really need to train your back a lot more than most people do. And so it's very important to make sure that you're using terminal strength programs that have those exercises in the system. All right, into Tuesday, we're going to do our 30 minutes of fun activity on our off day, and we're going to grab a green tea and review this week's research. So the study comes from the journal Obesity, and it's called The Effects of Consuming Frequent High-Protein Meals on Appetite and Satiety During Weight Loss in Overweight-slash-Obese Men. So we have researchers from the University of Missouri and Purdue University Taking a look at 27 overweight men, they were the average age of 47, and they were actually, with their BMI, they were average, average to an obese BMI. And they were randomized to two, uh, to two groups for 12 weeks, and they were consuming a diet, so that means an energy-restricted diet, 750 calories less than their daily needs. So if they needed 2,000 calories, they were only consuming 1,250. And then these groups were split. So both of them were on that diet. But then the groups were split so that one group got high protein, which was 25% of the calories as protein. So it's not really a lot, especially when you're on diet. And the other group consumed normal protein, which was considered to be 14% of energy. So it was almost twice as much protein in the higher protein group. But still, it wasn't so much protein that a bodybuilder would say high protein. They'd look at it and say it's low protein. Because if you broke it down on a 2,000-calorie diet, that means you're getting 500 calories from protein, which means you're only getting 125 grams of protein on a 2,000-calorie diet. And no bodybuilder would look at that and say, yeah, that's a high-protein diet. They would probably you know, call that a low-protein diet or a regular-protein diet. But the researchers called it a high-protein diet. And now the normal-protein diet, if they were consuming 2,000 calories, they would get 280 calories from protein and 70 grams of protein. So that was one part of the study. Then they changed it up so that at week seven of the 12, subjects were then split within their groups to either consume their food three times per day every five hours or six times per day every two hours and randomize orders for three consecutive days. So each group uh, within the groups, every subject basically did the three times per day and the six times per day. And so they were studied to see if Eating more frequently changed their appetite and fullness. All right, so a bit of a confusing study, but what they basically did is they had the high-protein and low-protein groups go for 12 weeks, and then in week seven, 
They just wanted to see if there's any difference between having people eat three times a day or six times a day, and all the subjects tried that out. So you had high-protein uh, subjects doing both three times and six times per day, and then you had normal protein doing both three times and six times per day for their eating. The results showed that the high-protein group experienced greater fullness throughout the day than the normal protein, and the high-protein group experienced lower late-night desire to eat. But within the groups, if a high-protein person consumed three meals per day or six meals per day, it didn't influence their hunger, fullness, desire to eat, or preoccupation with food. And same with the normal protein. It didn't matter if they ate their calories over three meals or over six meals. It didn't influence how hungry they were. The only thing that seemed to impact hunger was the group that consumed more protein had less hunger. And so that's basically the bottom line in the results. And the authors concluded that the data support the consumption of high-protein intake but not greater eating frequency for improved appetite control in overweight men on a diet. So bottom line in English, in uh, layman terms, that means that if you're on a diet, consuming 25% of your calories from protein will help you overcome hunger more than if you consumed only 14% of your calories from protein, and that it really may not matter if you eat three times a day or six times per day in terms of hunger. So in terms of hunger, that's what we've seen here in this study. It's, again, really up to you to find that diet and eating plan that suits your personality and activity level and that works for you. And so I always recommend that you consistently are researching and studying and experimenting on yourself to see what happens if you change something and then writing it down and making sure that you know what will happen if you go to eating five meals per day, if you change it up to eating just three meals per day. Write down what happens and then you can always go back and see what works for you. All right, into Wednesday, we're going to have another workout tip. Now, we talked about upper back exercises to build muscle. Now, we're going to talk about unique upper back exercises to work your rhomboids and your scapular stability and your mobility, basically your control of your shoulder blades, because this will help you with posture and reduce your risk of rotator cuff injury, because if you have messed up shoulder blade mobility, then your muscles are out of alignment, and if you're doing exercises like pressing, then muscles can be over-recruited or you know, recruited into a movement they regularly aren't involved in, all because of this messed up posture and, and imbalances and weaknesses and all that sort of thing. So there really is the old uh, body chain connections really matter, that one muscle group and one bone, the way things are, can impact other parts of your body. So four unique exercises. The first one is called bat wings, and this exercise... I learned about from a guy named Dan John, who wrote about it on uh, a website. And basically, you lie on your chest on a bench, and there's dumbbells at arm's length, and you pull them up and you squeeze your sh- uh, the muscles between your shoulder blades, and you hold the dumbbells up at that top position for five seconds, and then you lower back down. And so you're going to use fairly lightweight to start, but you may be able to build up. Right now, I'm up at about 45 or 50 pounds for five-second holds, and I do five reps. The next one is the stick-ups, and you've seen me do the stick-ups in the tur- turbulence training warm-up videos and on YouTube. Um, if you go to youtube.com forward slash CB Athletics and you 
type in shoulder mobility exercises, you'll get the following three exercises, the stick-ups, the prone stick-ups, and the arm crosses in there for your shoulder mobility. And I highly recommend you watch that video and use those exercises in your warm-up. Now into Thursday for a personal training tip of the week. And here's my tip to trainers, that you should have a workout checklist. So you should avoid having the conversation about what was on TV last night or talking about the weather. You know, you don't need to talk about that stuff with your clients for more than 10 to 20 seconds. What you really need to do as soon as they come in is find out what's going on in their life so that you can make sure that the next hour or 30 minutes or whatever you've got with them is going to be the best time spent with them so they can have an amazing training session. So you want to know what their energy level is. Get, you know, get that checklist set up so it's like 1 to 10. Every day they come in, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your energy level? And how many hours of sleep did you get? On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your emotional state with 10 being awesome? What was your nutrition in the last 24 hours or over the last couple of days since I've seen you? What was your physical fitness level over the, or physical activity level? And what's your physical fitness level right now in case we haven't trained in a while? You know, are you more fit, less fit, weak, strong? Are there any new injuries that we need to talk about since you last came in? And is there anything else that you need me to know before we get on with the training session? Going through that information will set the tone, showing you that, showing them that you're there for their success, and it will help you modify the program if necessary around their injuries, etc., or to increase the intensity to make sure that you train them at a proper level. So make that checklist. Make sure you go through every single one of those important topics, and everyone will benefit. All right, let's move into Facebook Friday for our Q&A session. And the question is, could you recommend any new exercises to build separation in the chest? And so I got that from a guy named Steve, and I said, hey, Steve, if you want that type of result, you simply need to have chest muscle, so you may need to build more chest muscle, or you need to lower your body fat so you're more have more muscle definition, so there's less body fat getting in the way, and so that it will look like you have more of that defined sculpted chest. And so for building muscle, obviously just the dumbbell chest presses, dumbbell incline presses, use a variety of tempos, use bodybuilder methods like squeezing the muscle at the top of the mo- movement, using eccentrics, using all that type of stuff, obviously not all in the same program, but you know in the planned turbulence training workouts and modifying them with some of these Bodybuilder variations will help you build more muscle if you're stuck right now. And then you also need to lose body fat if you need to get rid of the fat to see the chest muscle. And when you're doing those pressing workouts, make sure you do an equal amount of rowing for each chest press. So if you do three sets of chest presses, make sure you do at least three sets of seated row or dumbbell row or barbell row. All right, now into Social Sports Saturday. And a quote from Jim Rohn the legendary Jim Rohn, who said, unless you change how you are, you will always have what you've got. And one way to change yourself is by reading. Most people uh, don't read enough these days, but I highly recommend that you learn, learn about yourself, learn about better ways to live by reading. And so here are five motivation slash happiness books that I read in the last year. So the first one I want to share with you is a very popular book called The Last Lecture by Randy Posh. That was a powerful book about how to live your life. Next book is called Happiness by Tony Shea. Tony is the CEO of Zappos.com, the shoe sales site online, 
and he wrote a great book there about building company culture, but it's also helpful to anyone who wants to be happier, and Tony's really into the science of happiness, and, and it was a good, good read there. Another book for people that manage people is called Bringing Out the Best in People, and so this is a tough read. It's not an easy hour-long read, but if you manage people or if you're a trainer and you want to get the best out of your clients, reading the book called Bringing Out the Best in People by Aubrey Daniels is a great book. Another book that will challenge you, that will really make you examine your life and to learn more about yourself and what drives you is a very influential book to me called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I read this in 2008, maybe 2007, um, and then I reread it again this year uh, on my trip to Europe because Viktor Frankl wrote this book while in Auschwitz concentration camp, and I visited there this summer, and I wanted to read it before I went back, or before I went there, um, just because it was such a powerful book for me. So I read that again this year, and then uh, a nice little fable-type book by a guy named Brendan Burchard called The Golden Ticket. It's basically a series of life lessons put together in a story, very cleverly written. Um, basically, it... Uh, helps you examine yourself but in the context of carnival rides so it's pretty pretty neat how they did the writing and the story background on that one so that golden ticket is the last book i want to share with you so those are five books that are not training books obviously but definitely worth a read all right now sunday plan shop and prepare day our last day of the week here to get on track for the next week of course and we're going to take a look at one more study and this one also talks about eating frequency, but the bad side of eating frequency. And so it's from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, and it's called Does Hunger and Satiety Drive Eating Anymore? Increasing Eating Occasions and Decreasing Time Between Eating Occasions in the United States. So researchers from the University of North Carolina, they were studying meal frequency trends in adults and children in the United States. And basically what they did was they looked at feedback from people in the years 1977 and 78, and from 1994 to 98, and from 2003 to 2006, in over 28,400 children and 36,846 adults. And what they found was the number of times that we eat each day has increased in the last 30 years among all ages. And so a lot of people are out there talking about how we need to have multiple meals and, you know, eat six times per day. And that's not what they're talking about here because what they're talking about here is that people who are generally overweight are eating more frequently, and that's one of the problems that we have. And what they're getting is more calories from snacking, and worse, they're getting a large percentage of their snack calories from beverages only, especially among children. So that's very disturbing news because we know that a lot of kids are overweight these days and a lot of their calories, are excess calories, are coming from sodas and they're consuming these more frequently. So a lot of the nuts and bolts of how to improve our health and fitness is pretty straightforward. We need to stop drinking sodas on a regular basis. Uh, actually enforcing that change is much more difficult considering once it's become a very ingrained habit. So... I am just spreading the message that we're consuming more foods more frequently throughout the day than we did 30 years ago, 
And if you want to change, then that's probably one habit you'll need to change in your life. All right, that's it for this week. Sorry to end on such a bad note, but, I mean, obviously there's also uh, a brighter side to eating more frequently. I mean, I suppose it does get you in better habits, and the other research study actually didn't show a brighter side from eating six times per day versus three times per week. But definitely we see in the fitness world that a lot of people do eat frequent meals per day, and they have a lot of success with this lifestyle. And certainly there's a good way to do frequent meals and a bad way to do frequent meals and snacks. And bottom line is you shouldn't be drinking in calories. 99% of the calories you drink should not be consumed. Well, I wouldn't say that, but, I mean, if you're doing a post-workout drink and you train really hard, you're obviously going to consume calories then. But in most cases, we don't need consumed calories in liquid form. So that is a really important message to pass along. So that's it for this week. Next week, I'm going to come back to you with tips on increasing your workout intensity and increasing the challenge of your workouts. And we're going to talk about a research review on how often you should weigh yourself, along with a personal training tip and actually a research review on the truth about supervised training. And then a a set of three simple nutrition tips to help you stop overeating. And finally, five business books for building your team and vision. So if that's of interest to you, you'll like the five book recommendations I have for you next week. So that's it, everyone. Of course, I'll bring you transformation tips from my visit to Bill Phillips' house as well. And I look forward to helping you and sharing with you seven more days of fat burning next week. Until then, have a great week. Lose that fat. Stay on track. This is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com and TTFatLoss.com wishing you an awesome week. Bye-bye, everyone.